Thank you, Randy. Well, welcome. This is tonight, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's what we've been waiting for, what we've been preparing for. You know, my husband and I were watching a TV show this a week or two ago on fracking. And it was amazing to me. Uh, since they started fracking in Oklahoma, they started having earthquakes. And the more fracking they've done, the more earthquakes they've had. And then they talked about Hoover Dam and how Hoover Dam changed the ecology. And there were places around Hoover Dam that started having earthquakes because it was there. And then I heard about the wolves being introduced into Yellowstone and they thought they would destroy the wildlife. But instead the wildlife became healthier and the meadows became healthier. It was incredible. Now you might wonder why I'm talking about ecology, but from there I started thinking about spiritual ecology. I thought about how we can't even cut a tree without having an effect on the forest, an effect of what's around. Or we can't plant a tree without having an effect. And I thought about that and I thought, that's the way prayer is. It has an effect. And it goes out way farther than we think. It's maybe like we're planting a tree, a little bitty tree, but a tree nonetheless. And if we pray a lot, we might plant a whole forest full of trees. Maybe we plant fruit trees and they feed people. They feed the hungry and shelter the homeless. That's how powerful prayer is. And then I thought about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's like fracking. The Holy Spirit's going to come and shake us up. He's going to change things over. And that really that thought excited me. He's going to he's going to break up our old belief systems and confront the lies we lived by. He's going to challenge what always has been and open our hearts to what could be. He's going to change the landscape of our lives so that we have a clearer vision. He's going to empower us to be the hands and the feet and the heart and the voice of Jesus. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. One of uh, what is what is what is this thing we call baptism of the Holy Spirit? Uh, I think sometimes baptism, calling it baptism is confusing because we have a sacrament of baptism, and this is not a sacrament. This is more like the definition of baptism, immersion. Immersion. And we want to become immersed in the Holy Spirit. And it's been my experience in the Catholic Church, and I've had a few years, that some Catholics wade into their ankles, and they're content with that. And some might go up to their knees and they're content with that. And maybe to their hips, or their armpits, or even up to their eyeballs. But we're not immersed until we're head under. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be totally immersed in the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. One, uh, at, at, at his Last Supper discourse, Jesus said to the apostles from John 14, 
Verse 26. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have taught you. The Holy Spirit so empowers us. The apostles had been with Jesus for three years. They had experienced a sacramental life with him. You know, we can assume by the time Jesus left, they were ordained. They were, they, they were ready to be the ministers, the new bishops in the Catholic Church that was just beginning. And what did Jesus say? He said, uh, Behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And we know when that happened, it happened at Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit came with, as wind and fire and enlivened the hearts of those apostles. They were afraid, and they became unafraid. They were empowered. They were empowered, and they did things that even Jesus didn't do. We didn't hear of Jesus converting 3,000 people in a day, but the apostles did it on that first Pentecost. So, uh, we are given the message for our times. It was a message given, given in Joel and repeated in the Acts of the Apostles. And it's for all of us. It is this, And it shall be in the last days, God said, that I will pour forth a portion of my Spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even, <clears throat> yes, even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth my spirit, and they shall prophesy. We're promised great things in the Holy Spirit. The baptism we seek is an awakening of what we've already received in baptism and confirmation. God has been with us our whole lives. He dwells within us. We have the Holy Spirit. We need to go within and develop the eyes and the ears of the heart. We need to wake up, to become expectant, to become alive. We will never have a lively faith without the power of the Holy Spirit. John Paul II calls this renewal the heart of the church. The heart of the church. So I want to talk about some things that we see. And one of the things I'm going to talk about is body language. You've heard for years how you could read somebody else's body language and you, you kind of know what's going on inside of them because of their body language. What they're discovering recently is that we talk to our own brains with our body language. We're giving ourselves message, messages. And so I highly recommend when you're prayed over, hold your hands up so they're receptive. When we stand in a closed position, we're engaging our sympathetic nervous system. That's about fight or flight. That's about taking care of ourselves. When we just simply open our hands, we switch to our parasympathetic nervous system, which is about re re being receptive and being connected in relationship. 
a very powerful, simple gesture. Also, you'll see us praying sometimes with our hands in the air. Again, we're talking to ourselves as much as to God. Who do you see in real life standing like this? Two, three, four, five-year-olds wanting their parents to lift them up, putting themselves in the hands of their parents. That is a gesture of trust. And so when we do this, we are trusting God. I want you all to stand up and put your hands in the air, and we're going to sing a song. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. There you just spent 30 seconds opening yourself up to God with trust, with trust. And you're telling your own brain, I trust God. Uh, you can sit down now. <laughs> okay, we, we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we receive in confirmation, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, piety, fear of the Lord, fortitude, and counsel. I think we receive many, many more gifts of the Holy Spirit in confirmation. But we talk about those and teach about those with confirmation. However, when we, when we get into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we talk about a lot more gifts of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 11, it says, Now there are various gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There is a variety of effects, but the same God who works in all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to each one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gift of healing by the one Spirit, and to another effecting miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing between the, uh, the distinguishing of spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works in all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. So the gifts we talk about in the baptism of the Spirit are praying in tongues, prophecy, wisdom, word of knowledge, discernment, miracles, and healing. The gifts have been present from the earliest church, and they've been mentioned by such saints as St. Arrhenius, St. Polycarp, St. Christendom, St. Anthony of Padua, St. Paul of the Cross, St. Dominic, many, many more. St. Augustine said, We still do what the apostles did when they laid hands on the Samaritans and called down the Holy Spirit upon them. It is expected that new converts should speak in new tongues. St. Christendom said, Whoever was baptized in the Spirit had some sensible proof of the Spirit's energy and spoke in many tongues. 
The gifts are here to build up the church and to foster individual growth. And that's what, that's what we become open to with these gifts of the Spirit, growth. Uh, we must, however, be open to the gifts. We must desire them. God will never force us. He will never force us, but he will give to us generously when we are open, when we desire the gift of tongues is perhaps the most puzzling of the gifts, a mystery. Why on earth would he have us speak in a language when we can't even understand what we're saying? Probably because it takes a certain amount of humility and childlikeness to do so. It is an act of surrender, giving my tongue and my voice to God with no control over what I'm saying. You know, recently they've done some testing uh, with brain scans, which I found very interesting. And they found that on brain scans, when someone was speaking, both the frontal lobe of their brain and the language center were very active. When they were praying in tongues, the frontal lobe of the brain was not active, but the language center was. I thought it, it fascinates me when they begin to prove things of the Spirit. <laughs> uh, and so we're speaking in a real language. We're speaking in a real language. Uh, from Scripture, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing and violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so, <clears throat> this is a gift from God. This is a gift from God. And one of my favorite scriptures, there are many, many scriptures about praying in tongues. One of my favorite ones is, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And when we do not know what to pr uh, we ought to pray, for the Spirit himself intercedes through wordless groans. Uh, I think that's beautiful. The Spirit will form the prayer in us when we do not know what to pray for. That's me most of the time, you guys. Uh, my sister Kay had an experience where she was praying in tongues and she quit. And her little four-year-old granddaughter said, Oh, do that again, Grandma. I like that. So she did it again. And then she decided to try an experiment. So she then stopped praying in tongues and deliberately babbled nonsensical syllables. And McKinsey immediately said, No, don't do that. I don't like that. Do what you did before. And she did it several times, and Mackenzie always got upset when she babbled in nonsensical syllables and always became joyful when she was praying in tongues. Uh, I, one time, I always I, I pray with my clients, and I usually, when I'm praying in tongues, just say, I'm going to pray in another language for a minute. 
And one of my clients came back the next week and said, what was that language you were praying? <laughs> and so I explained to her what I was doing. And she said, I knew it had to be something because I understood what you were saying. And then all of a sudden, I said to myself, but I don't know any foreign languages, and I couldn't understand anymore. But she had what's known as the gift of interpretation of tongues. I didn't know what I was saying, but she did. Uh, another friend of mine, Father Larry Rucker, uh, was praying over a man who was sick in the hospital, a Native American man. He was just praying in tongues because that's what he did. And all of a sudden the man said to him, when did you learn to speak Lakota? He had never learned to speak Lakota. That's how the Holy Spirit will work. I would say most of the time nobody's going to understand what you're saying, but it is a real gift, and we're speaking in a real language. God understands what we're saying. We talk about the gift of prophecy, and some people think of prophecy as a foretelling of the future, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about having an encounter with God that gives us something to say, speaking what you experience in that encounter. You're speaking the words of God to upbuild for growth. Uh, it often is given in the first person, as if it is God speaking. I'm just going to take a minute here and give you an example of that. And first I'll praise God and pray in tongues. I just thank you, God, for your presence here. I thank you for what you are doing with your people. I thank you, Lord God, because you are lighting fires of the Spirit among us. We praise you, we glorify you, we love you, Lord God. My people, my beloved children, you are not here by accident. You did not even choose to come, but I called you. I called you, and you chose to listen. You chose to come, and I am here now. Do not be afraid. I am pouring my spirit out upon you, and you will be my witnesses in your families, in your workplaces, in your parishes, in your communities. Thank you, my people, for having responded to my call. Prophecy can also come as an image. I had an image with that, and the image was of a volcano with fire coming out of it and sparks going in all directions and lighting little fires. And that's the sense I have, that the Spirit is coming with that, that incredible power and force, lighting fires in our hearts and lighting fires in the hearts we take it to. So... Prophecy is simply speaking what you hear in your heart in that experience of God. Discernment uh, is, a, is knowing the difference between what is good and what is not good, what is evil. And actually, uh, prophecy is always discerned by the church. 
Uh, we cannot discern our own prophecy. Uh, often in a group like this, people will say audibly, praise you, Lord, thank you, if the prophecy touched their heart. And when you hear that swell up, you can kind of trust that this is from God. But the prophecy is discerned by the church. And so uh, we take our prayers to our confessors, to our spiritual directors, to, to our pastors. If we're told, no, don't, we need to be obedient to that. Prophecy is always discerned by others. Uh, and lo lots of times when we're in a prayer group, it will be discerned by the prayer group. Uh, we can say something that's from our human spirit uh, as if it is prophecy, and that's not really terrible. We usually say nice things. <laughs> it's not a, a terrible, awful thing. But you won't have the response from others that you do when it truly is a prophetic word from God. Word of knowledge. Father Mark talked last week about that a little bit when he was saying that I said something to him that, uh, that he didn't have any relationship with his mother. And, and uh, I stepped out and said that. I didn't know Father Mark that well. Uh, I think I was a little more tactful than he said I was. <laughs> but that's a word of knowledge. You know something about somebody. And, and God gives you an urge to say that to them. And often it pierces their heart. And it's about uh, something that they need to address or do or change. Uh, it, it's a beautiful gift. The gift of healing. Uh, healing has been with the church for the, since its earliest days. Healing was a predominant, a predominant ministry of Jesus Christ. He healed Continually, So many times it says he healed them all. Uh, so healing is, is very important. And we often have the laying on of hands to pray with people. Uh, this, is, this has been with the church since the earliest times. To pray with people with the laying on of hands. To, for, the, for healing, for the infilling of the spirit. It was for, for a, until the advent of modern medications. He had, the laying on the hands was the primary way of healing for medicine. And one of the things I think about as I think of the church using that is we safeguard the truth. There is something very powerful in that laying on of hands. And then miracles, signs and wonders. Uh, I've heard of a number of Occasions in, in recent years where there was a multiplication of food. But there's all kinds of little, little miracles found. Uh, signs and wonders, things that happen that you feel like it is a movement of God. Today I went for a walk, and as I started out on the walk, I said, oh, I really miss the mountain bluebirds. There were so many mountain bluebirds out where I worked. And I just said, I really miss them, Lord. I wish we had them here. And then, <clears throat> about two-thirds of the way through my walk, a little mountain bluebird flew out. And it, it came down the fence. It came from post to post to post to post for the entire length of the fence that I was walking by. 
And I just was so touched by that. I knew that God was present. So we have these little signs and wonders that happen. Uh, and, and, and we need to be open to them. We need to look. And we, you know, it's so easy for us to miss them. To pray for something like that and then think it's a coincidence. To have a little miracle in which we don't thank God. Because it's ordinary. Things God is working all the time to touch us in our lives in a multitude of ways. So, tonight, I'm asking you to step out in faith and become vulnerable. Become vulnerable. We cannot receive, we cannot make connection without vulnerability. So be vulnerable to the Holy Spirit. God will work in us, and he will work differently in each person. What God is doing, he has personally shaped for you. Thank you.